Hi guys, welcome back to the Casual Fight Fan Podcast. This is your host, JJ. And in this week's episode, we'll take a look at UFC Fight Night, Vegas 35, headlined by Kelvin Gastelum and Jared Cannonier. Before that, though, I have a quick announcement to make. So I've been playing around with this idea of starting a technical series of writings for those who train in kickboxing or MMA, and the idea is that I'll be doing research on combos, techniques, and tactics that may be useful in sparring and fights. It's definitely something that I need to put some work into, but the other day I finally got to making some content for this. The first article I wrote is on the 1-2 rear kick combo. It's a technique that's been used by some great fighters like Stephen Thompson, Robert Whitaker, and Donald Cerrone. Basically, I talk about the technical details, mechanics, and examples in real fights of this combo being applied. I also have some notes on how to set up these combos during sparring, so if that's something that you would be interested in, please go and check it out. I posted it on our Patreon page. You can go search it up under Casual Fight Fan Podcast, or just click on the link in the description. The article itself is free to view, but donations are always welcome. If you enjoy my work and want to support me, there's an option to become a member on our Patreon page. It's set on the lowest tier currently, which is $5 a month, and I really appreciate any support I can get. Sometimes I get hungry while doing research on fights and writing up these pieces, right? And so if you need justification for supporting me, just think of it as treating me to a quarter pounder every month for the work that I put in. LOL. Okay, um, that's pretty much it for the announcements. Now let's get into the fights for this week. Overall, I would say it was a good event last night. Um, the fights on the main card were all pretty competitive. If you're wondering what that means, read the subtext as quote-unquote boring. Um, I think a lot of people would say that the fights were boring, and I wouldn't really hold it against them, because yes, there wasn't really much action in the sense of knockouts or spectacular finishes. But that's really not to say that the fights were not exciting, um, because there was a lot of back-and-forth action, a lot of close fights, and I think that just shows how evenly matched the fighters are. In contrast to the main card, the undercard actually flew by pretty fast, putting on a display of fantastic finishes. Uh, we started the night off with a slow, wicked, rear-naked choke finish by Ramiz Brahimaj, who got his opponent's back early on in the round and methodically sank his arms around the neck and slowly but surely squeezed the life out of him. I think there's really something unsettling about a rear naked choke silently taking away the consciousness from a fighter, uh, watching the blood rush to his head and his face turn purple. It really is scarier than the, some of the more brutal chokes in the sport. Uh, the fighter is fighting for his life, literally, but he can't do anything about it, and really the last moments of his waking consciousness are him remembering getting to choke the life out of him. I'm not going to lie, that's kind of disturbing. Um, but moving on, in the second fight of the night, Ignacio Bahamondes throws a spinning wheel kick to get the KO finish with literally 10 seconds left in the fight that he's winning. He really could have just played it safe and got the decision win, but he put it in that extra mile and was rewarded with a highlight reel knockout, which shows his character and his ambition. All that to say, the undercard was pretty exciting. Um... Today we'll look at two fights, one from the undercard, which is Nunez versus Maleki, 
and the other one we'll look at the main event, which is Gastelum versus Cannonier. So, I thought that one of the best matches of the evening was actually undoubtedly the fight between Josiane Nunes and Bea Malecki. Nunes was making her UFC debut, and boy was it spectacular. Starts, uh, she stood a whopping 9 inches, or maybe it was 7 inches shorter than her opponent, and the size difference in this fight was massive. Watching it was kind of like watching David fight Goliath in the ring, hand-to-hand combat, no weapons, and Malucky just towered over Nunes like a giant. Now, usually in these situations, the big equalizer is the weight, and so it can generally be assumed that um, what fighters lack in height, they make up for with power. And you could really see that because Nunez was the shorter, stockier fighter, whereas uh, her opponent, Malecki, was the longer, leaner fighter in many instances. During the fight, Nunez did a couple of things very well. Uh, she showed aggression and put solid pressure on her opponent. She used good low kicks when out of range, and she did a good job of closing the distance to neutralize the reach disadvantage she was at. From the beginning, it was pretty conspicuous how different the physicality of these fighters were. Nunez was dwarfed by the height of Balecki, and every time she tried throwing punches at distance, she would come noticeably short. However, she showed aggression and control, and for the whole fight, she pretty much uh, was the one who was pushing the pace, advancing towards Bea, pushing her opponent back to the cage, and growling in an intimidating fashion. During the brief exchanges that we got to see in that fight, I'm not sure if Nunez actually was able to hurt her opponent, but it was clear that fear did influence Malucky to some degree. Her opponent was doing nothing but covering up for the most part when they got into the pocket, and it looked like she was almost scared to open up and return fire. Malucky was supposed to be the more technical stand-up fighter in this matchup, but she kept on pushing, or she kept on getting pushed back by Nunez, and really failed to circle around, instead being forced to the octagon and getting cornered and um, thrown punches at. Although Nunez was the smaller fighter, she was a ferocious bulldog, aggressively hunting her prey. And the truth is, by being the more active fighter, she forced Bea into a more passive position of defense. Even if she wasn't able to hurt Malucky with all of her shots, all Nunez needs to do is keep on throwing and eventually one of those shots will get through, which it did. Her constant pressure tired Malucky out on her feet and worn her opponent's guard down, and with a perfectly placed power left hook to the chin, Nunez ended the night and got a spectacular finish for her UFC debut. Something else that Nunez excelled at in this fight was using low leg kicks while out of punching range. The legs are the longest longest range weapons a fighter has, and when you throw a perfectly timed low kick on the inside of an opponent's thigh, it's really hard to defend. You can't bring your hands down to catch the kick, and it's difficult to time a check to the inside kick. So really, most of the time, you just have to absorb the kick and um, kind of rely on the conditioning of your thighs. While on the outside, Nunez literally had no punching chances. Her punches weren't even close to landing, simply just due to the difference in reach. Uh, She was just just so much shorter. 
but by throwing the leg kicks, Nunez was still able to effectively inflict damage on her opponent. As the shorter and stockier fighter, one advantage she did have was having power in her strikes, and that's something that she used fully to her advantage whenever she got the opportunity to land. Finally, Nunez displayed effective technique in closing the distance. Against a fighter who's longer and taller than her, her punches inevitably came up short whenever she threw at range, so it really was necessary for her to have a way to get in close. For some fighters, that's slipping a bunch of punches to get your head to the inside. For others, um, it's throwing a bunch of strikes to force your opponent on the defensive. Nunez found something that worked incredibly well for her, and that was the Superman punch. By blitzing in with a flying punch, Nunez was able to constantly launch a flurry of attacks on Maleki, forcing her opponent to cover up and giving her the chance to move into range and throw punches that could actually connect. While her legs did deal damage to Maleki at a distance, I would say it's the work that she did in the pocket that allowed Nunez to get the upper hand in the fight, slowly exhausting Maleki before finally getting the win by a left round knockout, left hook knockout. Nunez put on an amazing performance for her first fight in the octagon, and it'll be interesting to see who she gets matched up to next. Moving on, we're now going to analyze the main event, uh, which is a bout between the top middleweight contenders, Kelvin Gastelum and Jared Cannonier. For those who are unfamiliar, both of these contenders arrived at the middleweight division with a long and winding path. First, um, let's take a look at Kelvin Gastelum, who really was the youngest fighter to appear on the Ultimate Fighter reality TV show, as well as the youngest fighter to ever win the show. He's really been the underdog in so many of his fights and been un underestimated by so many people, from casual spectators to even seasoned fighters. Probably due to his chubby demeanor and his innocent boyish appearance, he just doesn't really fit the stereotypical characteristics of a mean, lean, tough brawler from the streets. However, he carries quite an impressive skill set, and through defeating fighters like Michael Bisping, Tim Kennedy, and Jake Ellenberger, Gastelum has proven that he is someone who belongs and competes with the best of the best. He originally competed at welterweight, but he was forced to go up to middleweight by Dana White after failing to mate weight on several occasions. Uh, Gastelum is notorious for having a bad diet and regularly eats junk food to fuel his body, munching on donuts, quesadillas, and all sorts of carbs that fighters usually stay away from. Interestingly, though, um, in the fight with Cannonier, Gastelum weighed in at 186.25 pounds, going over by a quarter pounder right before the fight. If only he had refrained from eating that one cheeseburger. LOL. Jared Cannonier, on the other hand, had started his career at heavyweight, which is the other end of the extreme. A heavy hitter, he gradually moved down the weight classes, making a run at light heavyweight before landing in the middleweight division. Since finding his optimal weight class, he's had a pretty good run, defeating the likes of Anderson Silva and Jack Hermanson before being defeated by the former champ Robert Whittaker. By going down weight classes, Jared Cannonier holds a massive power and size advantage over his opponents. 
He's a large fellow who's tested the power of thunder from former competition at heavyweight. And he's someone who can dish out blows like a shotgun and can fire rounds. While he's only had a few fights at the middleweight division, he's already shown that he's not to be taken lightly and poses a real threat to top contenders. So in the fight on Saturday, both fighters put on a great performance. It was a competitive match, and both fighters displayed unique strengths. Cannonier had excellent footwork and good athleticism, and Gastelum showed masterful head movement and an iron chin. Coming into this fight, an advantage that Jared Cannonier had was perhaps his movement. Uh, Gastelum is a southpaw fighter, while Cannonier is able to throw powerful shots from both stances, which makes him a real threat to Gastelum. He demonstrated excellent movement and through stance switching really gave his opponent a hard time getting reads. Whenever Gastelum would step in to throw the rear left in anticipation of Cannonier uh, moving laterally, Cannonier would instead thwart that by stepping back into the opposite stance, from which he could comfortably counter with a rear shot from that position. He utilized quick cutting jabs from the southpaw position and lulled Gastelum into parrying those shots before successfully taking advantage of that read and catching Gastelum a couple of times with right hooks seemingly out of nowhere. Additionally, Cannonier really shut down Gastelum's takedown game simply by sheer size and strength. Every time a takedown occurred, Gastelum had excellent timing and good technique. He's able to sink in double legs on more than one occasion, and yet despite this, Gastelum was not able to take the killer gorilla down. Jared simply pushed Gastelum out of the way and seemingly effortlessly defended against the takedowns. Even the one time that Gastelum did manage to take Cannonier down, he was not able to hold him down, and Cannonier got up pretty soon afterwards. It shows that size really does play a big factor um, when discussing the effectiveness of a fighter's wrestling ability. And for a fighter like Jared, he will always have that size advantage over somebody like Gastelum, who's naturally just at a smaller weight class. Nevertheless, Gastelum had his moments in the fight as well. He had impeccable head movement and slip technique that allowed him to neutralize the height difference between the two and get in close enough to land shots. This is an ability that we saw with his fight against Adesanya as well, and is quite remarkable. For a shorter fighter fighting a taller fighter, with the same experience, it's just so difficult for the fighter with the shorter range to get in on the longer fighter. If the longer fighter simply sticks his hands out and frames, it'll be tough for the shorty to ever get in close enough to land shots. However, Gastelum found a way to neutralize that gap. By using good slipping technique to dodge his opponent's punches, he weaves in and out of the pocket, eventually getting close enough to land a good shot. We saw this in his fights with in his fight with Izzy, and we saw this again um, last night in his fight with Jared. Moreover, he's very good at wrestling and is able to time the double leg takedown so well that it makes opponents hesitant to go all out on striking. Whenever the opponent overcomes um, overcommits on a punch. That is when Gastelum shoots for the takedown and gets the advantage. He also put on a show with his chin of iron. After getting dropped in the second round by a straight left, 
Gastelum went out cold for a brief moment before regaining his senses and tying up Cannonier to get back his energy. This is precisely why he's such a likable fighter. Um, he's got that tough Mexican fighting spirit and just never gives up. And it's someone who is so relatable and easy to root for. He's the underdog and fights through adversity, never submitting to the pain, and that's probably why he's never been KO'd in his entire career. The man is simply too strong-willed and courageous. While I was rooting for Gastelum, it was apparent that in the fight, Cannonier was the faster, stronger, and more explosive fighter. He was ranked number three going into the fight, and if things go his way, he may be very close to getting a shot at the title. Despite the undesirable outcome for Gastelum, uh, Gastelum is still one of those fighters who attracts fans even when he loses. His fights are extremely interesting and inspiring, and it'll be cool to see him make one more championship run uh, if he decides to do that before he decides it's time to hang up his gloves. Alright, um, that's pretty much all we have for today. If you guys enjoyed the content, please give this podcast a like and subscribe. I'd really appreciate it. And if you have any feedback, what I should change, techniques I should analyze, fights that I should watch, let me know that as well. You can shoot me an email at casualfightfanpodcast at gmail.com. I'll put that in the description below as well as a link to our Patreon page. Um, go ahead and check out the new article that I wrote about the one-two rear kick combo. And that's pretty much it. I will see you guys next time. Bye-bye.